Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I want to play you just a little bit of today's hearings because Bill Stepien was Donald Trump's second campaign chair. He had three campaign managers the first time he ran, you'll recall. The middle one was back in 2016. He had Corey Lewandowski and then Paul Manafort, who was fired because he was colluding with Russia. He literally was fired because he was sharing polling data with Russian spies. So there was collusion, but collusion's not a crime. So he wasn't charged for that. (laughs) And then, of course, Kellyanne Conway. But Bill Stepien was his second campaign chair last time. He was supposed to appear today live before the hearing, but then apparently his wife went into labor. We wish her well. Fortunately, Mr. Stepien had already given a video deposition. So here in his place, they played his voice from uh, his recording. This is him under oath declaring his election night plans to soften the blow of a Trump defeat. My recommendation was to say that votes were still being counted, too early to 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 tell um too early to to call the race but um you know we uh proud of the race we we run we ran um and we you know think we're think we're in a in, in good position um and we'll have more to say about this you know the next day or the next day whenever we have something to say and did anybody who was a part of that conversation disagree with your message? Yes. Who is that? The, the president disagreed with that. Now I want to play a clip of former Fox News editor Chris Steyerwald, who was very interesting, a man very passionate about the job he did with Fox. And to their credit, Fox News really did call Arizona before anybody else. He was someone who said after Trump lost Arizona, He said Trump was better off to play the Powerball than try to overturn the results. Uh, He talked about how when Fox News called Arizona for Joe Biden, their decision was controversial for their competitors, who they beat so badly by making the correct call first. I really enjoyed his testimony. He said our poll in Arizona was beautiful. This is former Fox News editor Chris Steyerwall testifying about the quirky process of election and ballot counting that seemed to confound and enrage Donald Trump. 
in the 40 or 50 years, let's say, that Americans have increasingly chosen to voting more than Republicans do. So basically, in every election, Republicans win election day and Democrats win the early vote. And then you wait and start counting. And it depends on which ones you count first, but usually it's election day votes that get counted first. And you see the Republicans shoot ahead. And then the process of, of bailing and binding and unbinding all those mail-in votes uh, in some states like Pennsylvania refused to count the votes first. So you have to wait for all of that to come in. So in every election, and certainly a national election, you expect to see the Republican with a lead, but it's not really a lead. Um, when you put together a jigsaw puzzle, it doesn't matter which piece you put in first, it ends up with the same image. So for us, who cares? Uh, but that's because no candidate had ever tried to avail themselves of this quirk in the election counting system. We had gone to pains, uh, and I'm proud of the pains we went to, to make sure that we were informing viewers that this was going to happen because the Trump uh, campaign and the president had made it clear that they were going to try to exploit this anomaly. And we knew it was going to be bigger because the percentage of early votes... Today's witnesses were 100% Republicans. All the witnesses today were GOP, which means 17 more months of Hunter Biden tweets. But again, witnesses that in no way can be called radical Democrats or never Trump Republicans. I'm dying to know what you guys thought of day two. I would have flipped it because part one was methodically proving that Trump knew he was lying. Part two was methodically proving he was lying. And then at the very end, they revealed the reason he was lying. And it was all about money. And I realized, oh, my God, they know what they're doing. Here is Liz Cheney, who, again, is like Dick Cheney. If Dick Cheney told the truth about one thing a lot, opening today's hearing with a preview of testimony from people in Donald Trump's sphere who had their opinions ignored for the ravings of Rudy Giuliani. President Trump rejected the advice of his campaign experts on election night and instead followed the course recommended by an apparently inebriated Rudy Giuliani <laughs> to just claim he won and insist that the vote counting stop to falsely claim everything was fraudulent. He falsely told the American people that the election was not legitimate. In his words, quote, a major fraud. Millions of Americans believed him. Inebriated. Is there another kind of Rudy Giuliani? Stop making me like Liz Cheney, please. It was so gratuitous. Maybe it was there on purpose to just say he was only listening to the drunk who told him what he wanted to hear. Uh, but there were so many references to Rudy being sloshed. It was kind of delightful. More Ivanka and Jared testimony. Jason Miller talking about the red mirage, which is what Rudy sees when he gets up in the morning. And of course, Attorney General William Barr testified at length that he knew the claims of stolen elections were, in his words, bullshit. I, I feel about these people who testified what I felt about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard in their in their trial. They're all dicks. They're all they they all knew and they all did nothing about it. Bill Barr was up there testifying. He doesn't care. He said the other day he'd vote for this guy again. If Trump was this divorced from reality, then why was the 25th Amendment not considered? Bill Barr is like John Dean from Watergate. If John Dean was a selfish weasel who did nothing for the country after 17 months in a fucking book tour. We'll be right back. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I'm not going to wear a mask. Okay. I will wear glasses because we had a horrible contact lens accident this morning. Oh, my God. I, tr- I can't wear contacts. I can't either. And I, I want- can't. I have pointy eyeballs. Tina Fey and I, we have high cleavage and a pointy eyeballs. All right. We're rolling on this, thing. right? Because this is the beginning of the interview. Here's okay. the deal. I have a very obsequious introduction for you, but oh. I have to begin with, I want you to know that I attempted to wear contact lenses for you oh. and I failed miserably. I'm so bad at it. No, I... I cannot wear contact lenses, pointy eyeballs. I've tried it 11 times to the point where I had a doctor put them in and then halfway through a concert that night, I was like, is there a doctor in the house at intermission? Somebody had to remove them. I can't. It just doesn't work. I only wear them for special occasions when Aww. I don't want to be seen wearing well, you're glasses. Gorgeous oh, with stop or without it. glasses. I, I, was, I did my first road date in Wisconsin from the pandemic and I'm, I leave the hotel, get back to the hotel in Madison and I couldn't find one of them in my Uh-oh. eye and I still don't know if it ever left. Do like, you have two different ones? Yeah, I have two different ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. And well, so I know it's, two different eyes, but do you is one for like really yeah I have close. a left eye and a right eye yeah yeah, yeah. but it's I, I have a stigmatism so that's why it's so hard that ah. you, they said that what I'd have to do is do a reader on one side and a distance and I don't know yeah oh yeah I'm a complete mess but I want you to know I, I I tried I made I made an effort I know uh, so I made of... an effort but I had to run here from Bryant Park so. I'm a little less efforty than oh, well, I, I would have. Don't been. want to hear it from you. I don't. That, okay. Can okay. I can I begin my obsequious yes, introduction, you can. please? I'll take it. I'm so pleased to welcome. Back to the show, a singer, a dancer, an author, an actor, a wellness expert, over a dozen film films, several Broadway shows, two smash hit sitcoms. This woman is in New York City to perform her highly acclaimed one woman concert evening that has been touring the country. Following her life, her incredible career, her superior biographical memory, her TV shows, which range from Taxi to Evening Shade, her Broadway shows were trained from Chicago to... Getting the band back together, which was the funniest second act of a musical I have ever seen. She is also the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, my God. Marilou Henner, Music and Memories, June 8th at 54 Below. I always love her visits because I could never ask her the same question twice, but she will know. <laughs> nice to see you. Oh, my God. It's always great to see you. Well, you know I have, like, the biggest crush in uh, the no, world. No, no, stop. I know. It's Don't mutual. Even. We Don't even, because I have to ask questions about... about that lucky bastard, your husband, later on. That makes me angry. <laughs> so d- don't even. Um, I thought you said, when you said wellness expert, I thought you said, well, it's expert. Oh. And that's how my head heard it. Sorry. Well, we'll get there. Okay, yeah, Let's see Let's see how good the interview <laughs> I had goes. I my baby on national television, so I have no secrets. I know. And do you talk about that in the show? I do. I do. I always say, if you haven't gotten enough of me tonight, you can actually watch me give birth on YouTube. 
YouTube. It's called We're Having a Baby. Now, did was Dick Clark involved with this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He called me. I, I, My son, Nick, who is now directing his first movie, he started yesterday. He's a feature director. Is this about the bridge? About playing bridge? About No, that's Joey. Oh, Joey's He's movie. helping okay. him. Yeah, that's the bridge expert. Okay. But Nick did a short called Theater Camp, and he was asked by a company, could you do it as a two-hour? And he wrote it. And then they, he said, well, can I direct it? And they said, we'll make a pitch for it. And now they're letting him direct it. Very nice. I know. It's pretty exciting. I'm the proud mom, you know. But anyway, yeah. So, so yeah. So, I talk about the kids in the show. And I talk about how Joey was, it was crazy because it was so fast. Joey's birth was super fast because it was during a special. I had had Nick. Dick Clark called me. And he said, you've got hosting skills. You just had a baby. I want you to interview other celebrities who are at different stages of either pregnancy or they've just had a baby. So, it was like Kim Alexis, uh, Anita Baker, um, Mary Lou Retton, Annie Potts, and Roger Clinton and his wife. And so that's what I did. And then the night of Comic Relief, eight days before my due date, I was up on stage making jokes about it. I came home. I was on stage 1230, went to sleep at 2, woke up at 305. Joey was born at 418. Oh, my God. <laughs> I went to the hospital. They put a lipstick camera in the car and two pushes, he was out. It was so... Wow. Yeah. I, I got to work with Dick Clark a few times, but uh-huh. I, I don't... Th- and he was very good to me. He yeah. flew my parents to Vegas once. Oh. I, I don't think I ever would have given birth on camera for him. I didn't love him <laughs> that much. Not even for him. Not even, not even for Dick. He was great. Well, he didn't expect it to be on camera. It just kind of happened that way. It was almost as fast as, you know, Seth Meyers talks about having had the baby in the lobby or the closet or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. yeah. My so wife went into labor in Washington Square Park, which I oh. thought was the hippest thing I could possibly hope oh for. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Was it a long labor or fast? Uh, it, Brutally, twenty-two hours long. Oh, yeah, yeah that's it was long. it was complicated. Yeah, but, but yeah. Oh, okay. But however, you get them out. That's right. And then they're great kids, and you know they grow up. And I realize that I have a photographic memory of you trying to do this show in New York City in March of 2020. That's, that's right. my photograph. Exactly. I saw memory. you right before that. Yes, you were yeah. right here about to do it. How crazy is that? Well, I always try to pick dates that are memorable. And so I picked March, March 4th because it's like the Moving only forward. imperative campaign. Uh, ca- it's the only imperative sentence in the entire calendar. Command. Yes, March 4th, command. you. March 4th, right. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I did it. And then a week later... Shut down. I was supposed to do it a million times, but the pandemic was actually very good for me because I, I mean, I hate to say that because a lot of people, of course, it, it wasn't good for, but, um, no, but the, the lockdown, the, the lockdown, lockdown was good for you creatively. I, creatively. a lot of, some a of lot us of people feel that way. really directed our energies in some ways. Yeah. yeah. And focused and you saw what's really important. And I got really good at getting my whole family into contributing to the whole. So every day somebody, you all had to do something, you know, so. But you also worked a lot. We were talking during the lockdown. You were shooting uh, movies in Canada. I did nine. With full COVID protocol on set. Yeah, we were, uh, Candace Cameron Bray and I were kind of the canaries in the coal mine. I remember. Let's send them to Canada. Yeah. So I ended up doing seven movies in Canada. And then I did, I worked in New Orleans recently with Danny DeVito, Owen Wilson, Rosario Dawson, Lakeith Stan. Field, who's fabulous, nice. and Tiffany Haddish on a Disney film. So oh, nice. I've been working a lot and doing my show. I got to do it last summer at Bucks County, and you know, and now I'm doing it this Wednesday at uh, 54 Below. Which is so exciting. I'm really curious, did the show evolve during the lockdown time? Did it give you time to think about the song choice, the storytelling choice, the blocking, etc.? 
It did, especially because when I did it at Bucks County last summer, they said, uh, it can't be just a regular show. We need dancers. We need production numbers. We have to sell drinks at intermission, make the show longer, name five drinks after your show, <laughs> the numbers you do. And I started doing this thing where I put like a fishbowl in the lobby and people would write a date in at the beginning of the second act. I'd pull a date out at random, tell them what day of the week it was, what I was doing on that day, and what song was popular then or what I was listening to then, and then I'd sing a couple bars. Oh my so it God. became a thing. Unreal. And I do that. I'm going to do it at 54 Below, too. You, it's fun. You, you moved a lot of liquor when you went to Vegas with Chicago, uh, yes, didn't you? Yes, you remember that story. Yes, yes. I love that. That was hilarious, because I'd been playing Roxy there for two weeks. I'd done it on Broadway for a year. But you didn't want to go to Vegas at first, right? No, I didn't, because I thought, oh, I've got the, my two little boys, and what kind of environment, and blah, 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 in Vegas. And then they had to drag me kicking and screaming away from it, because we had such a great, great time. It was diff- uh, yeah, it was a definitely a, a fun experience for all of us. Uh, what sure. was your creative process like in developing this show? I mean, in terms of you're you're finally doing this kind of evening with yeah. format, the stories that you wanted to tell, the stories that you know you knew would go over well with an audience. I'm curious about the rehearsal process and of all the anecdotes you have. And of course, you do remember everything. Yeah, I know. So, (laughs) how did you go through the creative process of distilling it down to the most entertaining possible show? Well, I hope it's the most entertaining possible. But uh, you know what? I started with I started with an unusual thing the first time I did the show, and that was the fact that I was a body parts model, mm-hmm. and thought that that would be a lot of fun. And so I talk about being a com- you know com- doing a lot of commercials, auditioning for forty before I got my first one, That's right. and then booking seventy two in like two and a half years. So I I started with that, and then I thought, okay, I have to talk about my kids. I have to talk about Taxi. Come on, I have to talk about Greece, Chicago. You know, all the different things. Growing up. In a dancing school and then it was like yeah the three husbands maybe each of them get a number and mm-hmm. they kind of go in and out of the show depending on how much time you know sometimes at 54 below they're like 60 minutes oh no you can have 72 tonight you know whatever um so i think also making the show so expansive in bucks county i was able to make it very modular so i think like well what hasn't this audience seen before right. and what you know whatever and and now my brother who's a genius wrote a song about my memory so i throw that in and i change the opening number sometimes so it's it's been really fun to to take my life and to say okay tonight i feel like talking about this or singing about this and let's show pictures of this i've added a lot of photographs too which has been really fun and i've added like a Burt Reynolds story, which I hadn't had in there before. I wanted to ask you about that because I know you did five projects. Five projects with, with and him. Man Who Loved Woman, very First underrated time. film. Really underrated. Yes. Uh, really a, a smart script. And, and my understanding is that you two never hooked up. Never. And that that's maybe why you got along so well professionally. Absolutely. I think that's why no matter what you know, who, who his partner was, whether it was Lonnie, his wife, or you know other people that he was dating, I never... Because we never got together, he he felt very safe and comfortable saying, oh, yeah, Mary Lou's my friend, which I was. I was his friend. I adored him. But it's, yeah, but we never we never got together. But he asked me to play his wife. The, the night that I first met him, he called me and said, I want you to come down to the dinner theater and I want you to do a movie with me and everything else. Would so, that be Cannonball Run too? Yes. yes. Cannonball Run. Somebody said the other day, it was on Twitter, you know, I love Twitter because it's very like, it's like Kleenex, you know, it's like- You're one of the reasons day. I don't quit Twitter. Oh, you're so funny. No, but did you find, I'll tell you the advantage living in LA. You say, was that an earthquake? And you go to Twitter. Yep, that was an earthquake, yeah, you know, yeah. right, right away. Um, Same but, here. I'm just like, was that a shooting? You was know, that a shooting? Yeah. 
that's another whole topic. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I've got I I live you know my seven and nine year old niece and nephew live with me part of the time because my brother and uh, you know every time we send them to school you think like what is it going to be and you know little Catherine who's seven I I asked her I'm going to cry she's so so precious and adorable and I said oh how's school going and she says well I'm not crazy about lockdown when we practice lockdown you know in first grade that they have to practice lockdown it's scary yeah it's really scary I think back that when we were kids um in the cold war we would have to prepare for nuclear war nuclear war under desks now children have to prepare for other Americans coming to kill them other Americans and 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 like a student, you yeah. know, like a high school student is going to come. An eighteen-year-old who's been legally able to buy AR-15s with no training, insane. and in many cases without paying money with installment plans. I mean, it's that's insane. how accessible these machines and, are. And what is being done in, in the, the name of power and money? It's just insane. It's insane. And when you have a child, you know, that's that school age, and you think about. Uh, just that whole story is just horrible. It's uh, you just you. It's hard to get over it. It's hard to get very over hard, it, especially when you think about kids, and you have children that age. You are someone who is uh, I've always found to be uh, relentlessly positive, and if you'll pardon the expression, you're someone who really has their shit together. But Thank you. you you describe your childhood as having obsessive compulsive order. Uh, order, yeah, right? not disorder. Yeah. yeah. Well, somebody had to be organized in the family, and I think because my my bedroom was right off the kitchen with a shining light and the telephone right there, and you know I felt like I was the original Truman Show or something because I got the, you had to look into my room when you were in the kitchen, so. <laughs> You know, I had somebody, I I had to keep it clean, you know. But were there ever times in your life when you did struggle with darkness? Were there ever times when you struggled with, with despondency? I'll tell you what really shook me to my core was Andy Kaufman's death. Andy Kaufman's death, I think because he was such a peer and I had just worked with him, you know, I we finished the show in February of 83 and then I saw him a few times over that summer and then I didn't see him for a few months and when I saw him in January of 84, I didn't recognize him. I was at a restaurant yeah. and all of a sudden he shuffled up to me and I just thought, that can't be, I thought it was a character. I thought he was playing a character and sort of messing with the people in the restaurant and stuff, but then no. And then I saw him a month before he died. So seeing how much his whole his whole life had changed, you know. I mean, people to this day think he might not really be dead. I, I, yeah. I don't think many people do that. But but he was so ahead of his time, and his his death really that was a really sad time for me and and dark. And you just go like, well, what is all of this? And yeah. you know, what do I do? And yeah. well, Elaine's talked about that with us a lot as she well. Yes, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, because they were very close, did, very close. I mean, you played yourself in the Milo Schwarman film. Did you think? Yeah. Did you think the film did him justice? <gasps> not at all. No, and now that I've seen the Andy, now that I've seen the Jim Carrey whole Doc, thing, yeah. uh, Jim and Andy, I guess it's called, yeah. or, uh, I see that he had his own agenda. And I, at the time, I kept thinking, well, maybe they just want him to, you know, maybe they just feel like this is going to be more palatable for a young crowd of guys who are going to find it great that Andy, you know, is so is such a an alternative kind of character, blah blah blah. And I thought, but he wasn't sweet like Andy, and he didn't have. The, the genius of Andy is that he could be so crazy and so normal yeah. and I didn't find Jim's performance and I love Jim Carrey but I didn't find him trying for anything that seemed remotely normal in Andy's yeah, life yeah I admire that they really wanted to make the film I could mm-hmm. tell how much they loved him it was amazing watching them recreate the bits um, and I felt like okay well you made that movie about that character but I never really felt like that was a really human being. 
him. You know, yeah. it was a guy like. Did him. you know him? Did no, you know him? I was very young when he died. Yeah. I never had yeah. the pleasure. He was but I was in the. My mother let us stay up when we were very young to watch his first primetime special. Oh, really? And it was amazing because uh, I laughed so hard, and my brother laughed so hard, and my mother couldn't understand why we were <laughs> laughing. And I never—that's what I remembered about it. That's so so like Mighty Mouse and everything. Well, else when like, he was doing like the the foreign guy who then did the, who then became Elvis. Oh, uh, oh, that's it, the first thing I saw yeah. before I even did Taxi with him. Yeah. So it was really. I mean, he was so. He was a genius. I mean, and, yeah. and that his a lot of his material lives on YouTube. Uh, yes. So a whole new audience has discovered him. I mean, but he is gone so many years. Like he died in nineteen eighty four. So long ago. That's a long time ago. Yeah. You know. Uh, this is the part in the interview where I talk about highly superior autobiographical memory. Yes. And I have to be very careful because I've asked you about this before, so I have That's to come okay. up with new questions every time. That's okay. Can but you? But there's a new audience, so you know. <laughs> can you name the last interview where they didn't ask you? About no. HSAN. <laughs> <laughs> no, because what's funny is that I first started talking about it in interviews. I remember it was on the uh, the the Johnny Dangerously. It was on the Johnny uh, the, the Johnny Speaking Dangerously. Speaking of underrated the, comedies, totally. People love that movie. Oh, holy shit, that movie's funny. You know who's like the funniest person in the world? I have to tell you that the two funniest people I've ever worked with, and you're never going to expect this, Griffin Dunn. Yeah, is unbelievably funny, and Ian McShane. Those two people are like even funnier than I've, Michael I've Keaton, and I love Michael Keaton. I had the Keaton. pleasure of meeting them both, but yeah, I mean, Griffin Dunn starred in the most underrated Scorsese film ever, and he's yeah. brilliant in it. After Hours, right? Yeah. That's the name of it. Yeah, 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 of course. He is, he's fabulous. But yeah, so the first time I thought, oh, I'm going to put in that I have this unusual memory. And the first time they asked me on a junket, and somebody said, what did you do 17 days ago? And <laughs> it was like, what? Why <laughs> pick 17? You know, it was just such an arbitrary number. And so, but no. People always talk to me about it. I don't mind, though. It's, it's kind of it's, fun. Well, here's something I've never asked you about. It's not the same as memorizing lines, right? Oh, no, no, no. You That's still have two to, dimensional. You still have to memorize yes. lines when you have a role. Right. I'm I'm good with that because of memory things. But it helps. But and but I'll remember like where I was when I read the script, what it reminds me of in my life, how the characters kind of, what's the Venn diagram between the character and me and, and things like that. But I used to really kind of hurt, hurt myself as an actress. I know I'm repeating a lot of things that I've said to you before, but I'm asking, I'm answering your questions. Um, a lot no, you're of, actually not. I, I tried to find different dimensions <laughs> of this that I'd ever asked you about before. Okay. Um, that's good. Uh, I, I think I, I, as a young actress, I used to cut myself off from certain things because I would like look at the words a few times and go, I got it, and then do it the same time all the time. And I thought, no, struggle with it a bit. Understand why you might be saying that. What would you say instead of that line? Exactly. You know, maybe there's a better way, or maybe you'll find a sub subtext in there by not knowing it and doing it the same way all the time. You know. So. Well, I think about you as a young actress being a body parts model and and doing brazier ads and panties Everything. ads and, and latex bras, it, four four playtex bras. Yeah. I mean, eventually you made an adjustment and began booking nonstop. But it oh yeah yeah it yeah. must have been discouraging for you. Well. 40 commercials, I my I got my 40th commercial audition. And I kept thinking, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do it exactly the way I think I should do it because this is what they want. And then, you know, wasn't getting it. And then a friend of mine, Michael Gibson, who's a brilliant um, uh, musical arranger for Broadway, he did a Mr. Coffee commercial and he called me in and I was totally wrong for it. But he said, are you doing what you did today when you go in for these auditions? And I said, oh my God, no, no. I, I was m me because you were there. And he said, that's what you have to do. Yep. So, and you know, that's the hardest thing for young actors to figure I out. Know. It's so hard to like feel safe enough 
and trust trusting yourself enough to just kind of be you know it's funny we've been doing like this Greece week because mm-hmm. it's the big anniversary of Greece and you see the people everybody is really like looks great and you know sounds great and everything else and the book is great if you get a chance people should get the book Greece tell me more tell me more because it's all about the start of Greece how it how it started in Chicago and then Broadway and changes that they made in the first Broadway company but it's really amazing when you have those early experiences with people and you see then the lives the paths people's lives have taken yeah you know and some great I never knew some... Michael Lembeck who directed me in sitcoms had gotten his start in Greece I yeah, had I know. no idea what, what did you do with him I was in Carolina in the city oh you did yeah wow he's sword, great yeah, yeah. I just talked to him like a couple of weeks ago he's I, working like crazy oh yeah as yeah a director. I, I mean is Broadway something you would do again me? You. Oh, I, I'm already planning to move back here. I want to move back to oh, New York. Oh, good. Thank God. Back. Yes. Thank yes. God. We need you. I want you. to come back. I definitely want to. Yeah. One, one more One more HSAM question. Uh, if, hypothetically, you smoked a ton of weed every day for two years, would you then experience memory loss? I'm, I was never a smoker. That was never... I could tell you on two hands, maybe, the times that I've done right. any kind. Because that's so... That slows people... I mean, exactly. I can't imagine. I can't I imagine. I tried to imagine, like, could that impair I'm sure your could. memory? It I'm could. sure it could. Okay. Yeah. And people say, you know, like, oh, d- what about drinking? And I go, oh, yeah, like, Saki Land? Yeah, it's a different reality, but it's, you know, I still remember things. Is it true that uh, the former host of Celebrity Apprentice, Donald Trump wanted to bring you to Vegas to see yes. if you could count cards? Well, he used to start like, oh, Mary Lou, if I took you to Vegas, could you count some cards for me? Could you, would you remember? Was it, uh, uh, Eric, let's book, a, let's take her to Vegas. You know, he's like, he's character. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For what? I thought I mean, it was, the show was fun. You kind of nailed the impression. You, you nailed it. I don't know about that. Maybe. But made a lot of money for Alzheimer's Association and PCRM, so yeah. it was worth it. And it was a fun experience. I Actually, I really loved doing that show because it's so high energy and you're constantly having to think and put things together, you know. Um, you've inspired me as much for your authorship on wellness as you have as a creative person. And I mean, just for the title, I refuse to raise a brat. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it just so much of your work really emphasizes that it is about intention. It is about what you're going to choose to do and be. Yeah. I think that's my Catholic school upbringing, which I know you share. You know, I mean, we could do a whole show on Catholic school upbringing. I know. Tough, but I'll tell you something. You definitely learn discipline and you definitely learn enough about the basics in education. I'm shocked at how little people know these days, you know, and what people and, you know, you think like, oh, my gosh, they they drummed it into us. Well, I think the best religious teaching does have the discipline, but it also combines the empathy. Yeah. And that's what comes out in your work. Oh, thank you. Because I think you've done more to help people understand about dairy. Yeah. Let's say than any TV doctors we could point to. And a long time ago, too. So I just, you know, I'm so happy that the world is catching on. It's so easy to get non-dairy things now. It's all in, you know, every restaurant. You can get no gluten, no dairy, no yeah. meat, no refined sugar. And so it, you know, and it makes you feel better, much uh, better. What did quitting dairy do for you as a person? Oh, my gosh. That was the hardest step that I took to becoming healthy. Harder than sugar? Harder than... Harder than anything. Yeah. Harder. Because I was a dairy addict. I literally would go buy cheese ends at Zabar's on my way to unemployment and <laughs> wonder why I was fat, constipated, and had pimples all the time. You know, I mean, everything changed. My digestion, my face, my skin, my weight, my... Every 
thing changed when I gave up dairy. I, people always say, well, if I had to do one thing, I said, do you want the easy thing to do or do you want the hard, most impactful thing? And they go, well, what's that? And I said, dairy products. Yeah. And they go, ooh, I don't know if I could do that. For some it's sugar, Sorry. for some it's meat, for some it's wheat. Yeah. But I mean, we are the only species on earth that drinks the milk of other species. I know. Would and, you ever have cat milk? Yeah. Or a nurse from a Ex- Exactly, right? And it's like, I get it if it's, you know, hundreds of years ago in an agrarian economy and you've got to get right. through the winter and have some source of protein. It totally makes sense. But for the 21st century, it's just amazing how many of our health problems can be cleared up because we're our bodies aren't designed to break down certain things. Yeah, it's the hardest thing that our bodies take on. And and as soon as you put it with like a heavy meat or a carbohydrate or whatever, forget about it. They they have to sit back while the body goes, okay, we got to work on the dairy. I know, and I'll be honest, I still struggle because I. What do you like to eat? Milk. The only dairy I still have at all is New York pizza. That is the oh. only dairy I still consume. We'll have some that's pineapple it. with it. Um, d- d- that's yeah, that's unholy. That's yeah. unholy. But that, I, I will no, say- No, not on it. Like a few hours later. Oh, okay. Or the next morning. Because I was going to say, these no, pineapple no, pizza oh, people, no, I'm, I don't pizza, go for that no. cult. No. No. But like, uh, they're doing great things with almond milk I these know. days. I mean, what, almond, what kind of non-dairy cheese like are oat. you a fan of? Oat I like cheese? oat Oat milk. I haven't had the pleasure of oat yeah, cheese. Yeah, I like oat milk. That's my favorite. And soy doesn't bother me at all. I, you know, some people have a sensitivity to soy. But I'm just so happy that every restaurant, you get, it's so easy to, it's easier to be healthy these days. You know, I always say, learn to love the food that loves you. And I always say, motion is the lotion. Motion <laughs> is the lotion. It I, does. I just think that your your work on wellness, to me, is inseparable from your work as a performer because it's still a craft. It's still mm-hmm. your path, your ministry, your creative avenue. Totally. It is. It is part of your expression as an artist is I view you testifying before Congress seven times. Yeah. Just now it's 11, 11, <laughs> Jesus, up to 11, the same vein as you uh, being on Broadway, because yeah. it is you it's, uh, using your gifts of, in service. Absolutely. And it's a, you know, inc- passion of mine. I do a number about that in my show as well. It's hilarious. Should, yeah. About about what about about being healthy. It's really funny. You think I'm going to give a speech and then I go into a number and it's really funny. It gets a huge reaction. Yeah, the original songs are very, very funny. Yeah, the um, original song. My brother's a genius, Lauren Henner. And Michael Orland from American Idol, he's my musical director and he's unbelievable. I mean, you just always feel so, he just takes the ride. I hope this show becomes a Netflix special or something so people can see it. I mean, obviously I want you to keep touring it and selling yes. it in rooms. I don't want everyone to see it for free at home, but <laughs> it'd be great That's to have okay. it be you know, <laughs> yeah. available for mass viewing at some point. Thank you. Yeah, I I I hope to bring it to New York in a bigger version or to do it somewhere because it's really, it's, it's gotten. What are your dreams for it? I mean, and what, and what haven't you done yet that you still really want to do? Um, I'd still like to do an original Broadway show, not just with one number, but you know, like really create a character or do one of the classics and stuff, classic Broadway musicals. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I want to do a sitcom again, though, too. And yeah. now I'm working with a company. You know, everybody's looking for the next This Is Us. And someone has talked to me about taking the memory aspect of my life. I would be like just one part of my life character, but take different times because there's been so many ups and downs and things. Sort of do something with that kind of, you know, and remembering stuff and going back and saying, because I love that show. I don't know yeah. if it was... Did you like it? I did. Oh, I you get did. It. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like what they did on a storytelling level. It was Absolutely. really interesting. Absolutely, and having the different casts. Mm-hmm. So you know, people have been talking to me about developing that, which would be great. I've only got you for a couple minutes. Let okay. me do a, a quick lightning round. Um, okay. Uh oh. <laughs> did Did John Hausman 
really try to make out with you? <laughs> he French kissed me. He tried to French kiss me. <laughs> you guys do such research on this show. It's amazing. Um, yeah, paper chase. I yeah. did the paper chase. Oof. And he was like at the rap, at the like little brunch, Sunday brunch after we finished rapping. He like came up and was like, what? <laughs> How did you feel when he won the Oscar? My God. <laughs> <laughs> he won the Oscar first. Then okay, then okay. Yeah. Uh, what are your... I didn't uh, let him, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah yes. Yeah. God, and God bless you for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, although no judgments if you had, no, it would have been fine. No you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, What are your three theories of marriage? Uh, okay. All right. Number one, marriage is like making waffles. You throw the first one out. <laughs> Number two... <laughs> Not the second marriage, but marriage in general. Marriage is finding that special certain someone you just know you'd love to aggravate the rest of your life. Because mm-hmm. marriage is like, ee, 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 you know, you know how to get to each other. Number three, St. Exuberi, who wrote The Little Prince, wrote this, and it is, you'll have a happy marriage. And I added something to it. And that is, you'll have a happy marriage once you realize marriage isn't two people gazing longingly into each other's eyes, but rather looking out over the mountain in the same direction. Side by side. With their hands on each other's genitals. That's the part I asked. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you I, go. I can't vision, improve on heat. that. Vision, heat. Vision, <laughs> heat. Vision, heat. No, my first marriage was heat, second vision, and now I've got Mr. Vision and heat. Mr. Forrest was the first? Yeah. 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 Wow. That's, that, that, that's, by the way, a script I want you to write someday. That oh seems my like gosh. a very fascinating marriage. A fascinating marriage, the way we got together, doing a movie together. Just our whole two years was pretty... Crazy. <laughs> Mary Lou yeah. Henner is performing Mary Lou Henner Music and Memories June 8th at 54 Below and hopefully very soon in a city near you. I yes. could talk to you for days. They never I give us enough time. I know. I hate leaving you. Uh, thank you for always inspiring me and always reminding me that um, negativity is a habit and we can choose other things. Oh, my gosh. Uh, every single moment of our lives. And uh, you know what? You have to get into the headspace. If you get into the headspace of bad behavior fascinates me, then you can like take on people and not like, it's you true. know, feel you don't succumb to their like energy. It's like, hmm, let's check out the pathology behind this. Why are they behaving that way? I've been it's trying like, to teach a child this throughout all of fourth it's so grade. Important. Yeah. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. My kids always say that to me. Mom, thank you for teaching us that. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to take it on to yourself. You don't need to let it psych you out or let yeah. it infect you. You can just observe it and realize, yeah. okay, that exists. Smile, and... nod, and move on. And it's like with your earlobes, flaps up and <laughs> just keep going. Especially in this political world, especially on Twitter. You can observe oh. toxicity without letting it harm you. Absolutely. Well, you and also if you get the image of everybody at home, you know, the armchair critics just kind of like doing as they eat their dairy. <laughs> the great Marilou Henner, People of Earth, you got to be alive at the same time Aww, as her. Thank, thank you so you. much. Love you. We'll be right back. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. David in Nevada, thanks for your patience. 
No problem, John. I'm just sitting back here just trying to keep my shit down. But hey, <laughs> Okay. I find keeping it down works best for me. <laughs> yeah, but last night, loved it. Loved the way that the production was done. And the I don't hearings. even like to say a production. I like to call it. It was the prosecution's opening statement. Yes, I agree. That's what they were doing last night. See, people ain't getting hip on the way that things were, the way they rolled this out. Like Liz Cheney, Mm -hmm. she said, you know, Donald Trump will be gone. But my GOP partners, oh, your your sedition going to stay with you forever. She telling them, I might not get reelected, but I ain't going to jail. Right on. Yeah. You know, and, and then when you pick through the little things that was that they were bringing out, like with the uh, docu- documentarian, the yeah. French guy there, See, <laughs> they had him there because he was hanging out with them. Because we all remember January 4th, these same individuals from our congressmen were getting tours throughout that. Building. Like you said, Eric. Yep, they were. They were getting tours. And then what did he say? Even before Trump got speech started, what? They was going around doing everything. This was like military style. Who was Trump's homeboy that was that got military experience on doing this shit? Good old Michael Flynn. Uh, (laughs) Speaking of heroes. Yeah, you're right, man. And then when I looked at... Uh, uh, the way that they broke it down in this seven part thing that they was doing. And like with Ivanka, the little 14 seconds they put out there, they said, look, we just giving you a taste. We ain't showing you because we had Ivanka in there probably for an hour or two hours talking to her. Right. She's spilling the beans. Okay. <sighs> Cause she, they said what Trump's family members, other people were constantly going to him and telling me, call this off, call this off. And as far as that bullshit with Fox News not showing it, you know, it reminds me of the saying of like, you know, you're a bank robber, mm-hmm. but you got a blind man as your lookout. Love it. <laughs> David, <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate the call. You know that right now Trump is like saying to his aides, wait, what's Tiffany's number? I have another blonde daughter. What, right. what do you think? What, what's her birthday? Tiffany just moved Tell, up. It's her birthday soon. Tell me, uh, Tiffany, you want to sit on daddy's lap? Uh, okay, we got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at Squeezed.com. Norm in Tampa. Hey, John, how you doing? Hello, sir. Oh, yeah. Hey, how you doing? You know, I um, just, just wanted to, to holler at you and, and, you know, said that, you know, we did at the time of the, of the uh, insurrection. 
And that's what it was. That's what I called it back then, because it did take some time for people to get around to even call it that. Yeah. And stuff. But I wrote an article, put an article within the norm and within the norms called it. And the insurrection will be televised. That's right. And yeah. So we, we, we got around it. And I, I just, it, it, the more you, you think about this thing, how deplorable, you know, that the, there is a, a president of the United States attempting to overthrow our, our government. And then at the same time, you know, uh, folks ignoring and folks, uh, just uh, are dismissing it, you know, as a bunch of guys, you know, have out there having fun. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, the scene from yes yesterday, you know, the plotting, the, you know, the 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 organization. Yeah. You know, Norm, I call it terrorism. I mean, it meets the dictionary yep. definition of terrorism: violence or the threat of violence to uh, against civilians to change policy. And speaking of, I know you mentioned something about the other about um, gay pride. Um, I wrote, I wrote an article just uh, yesterday, just this morning, actually, and it deals with uh, uh, the shooting in Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, of the doctor's office. Well, actually, there was a reason why I I talked about this before. Was this this issue has some very underlying causes as to why this particular person didn't get the medication they were getting. Okay. Because Oklahoma has a law that says that a doctor can only give a seven-day supply. Okay. And that's it. And so this guy, and we, everybody in medicine knows that, that's, that's, a, that's a legislator or government overreach into medical protocols and stuff. So, okay. you know, at the end of seven days, boom, he was is usually what people do is kill themselves. Yeah. So you have cases where veterans are um, uh, 75%. But the interesting thing is that uh, several years ago, this happened to a, a gentleman. This same thing, a doctor who had been treating a patient, a brilliant spine surgeon, black spine surgeon named Harvey uh, Jenkins, was arrested and targeted. I mean, by the uh, Oklahoma, by Oklahoma, state of Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, authorities in Oklahoma. He was charged with twenty nine felonies of of being a drug fraud. He's a Harvard graduate, spine surgeon, right. those sort of things. And he never went to trial. They never took they never took him to trial. And so, so Harvey happened to have uh, again. He was uh, he was uh, as an MD, a PhD. Uh, well, he had a master's degree, and okay. he happens to be a writer, and he happens to be gay. Ah. So they, you know, Rita, in our last book, it's called Tulsa 2.1, the, the real story. And what happened is, is that the doctors were all, the doctors in Oklahoma were, were in fear of, 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 of writing prescriptions for patients in pain, and uh, they remember what happened to Harvey. Okay. Norm, I got I to run. We're almost out of time, but I, I thank you very much yeah. for sharing the story with us. Richie in L.A., you're on SiriusXM. Hey, John. Hey. I was going to say that Benny Thompson doing the opening I thought was brilliant because he was saying where he grew up, the same place in Mississippi where people make excuses for the KKK. 
that's like he was saying he grew up in a Trump rally and never left. Yeah, I think the parallel was pretty clear what he was saying. He's like, y'all know shit is wrong and you pretend it's not. And we're going to call you out for it. I thought he was speaking directly to the racists in the GOP. And also saying I'm not afraid of it. It was a little bit like Denzel Washington in Training Day. (laughs) Hadn't hadn't drawn that comparison yet, but now I'll think about it. But I... Also, I was going to say, I, uh, I had discussions on social media with conservatives. I think the biggest victory I had a couple of times where people say, thank you for a civil discussion. That's true. And, and sometimes they, I, I get that all the time. I have conservatives thank me all the time for the civil discussion because yeah. I'm not here to hate people. I, you, you, you hate, right. you get stupid. Your last guest, your guest last week was saying, I don't know where he's from, but in New York to say there's no, you don't like Mexican food. I, don't, I really don't have a basis for comparison. It's a little bit like saying Taco Bell is Mexican food. Right. Well, I, I say that New, New York has the finest Chinese food made by Puerto Ricans. L.A. has the finest Chinese food made by Mexicans. I, right. I love both. Has the, finest, has the finest any kind of food made by Mexicans. We also have great Chinese food made by Dominicans in New York, to be fair. Okay. We'll have to check that out next time. Yeah. And our, 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 our Greek delis are all run by Haitians. It's, it's a beautiful place. I recommend the food. Thank you, Richie.